great to be with you this afternoon. This is my first, if you didn't already know, my first Sunday preach here at KT. So I, I consider it very much a, an honor and a privilege, and I'd like to start by thanking our senior leader, Pastor Colin, for the opportunity to bring the Word of God to us here today. He's currently abroad ministering, so do continue to keep him in your prayers this afternoon. Um, I'm not also sure that Colin would know this, but um, it was actually Facebook, so it's a little bit embarrassing on my part. Uh, it was Facebook that reminded me from a photo I'd put up a few years ago that today is the day 15 years ago where I came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So <laughs> um, we give God all the glory and all the praise. Amen? Just a moment of prayer before we come to the words. Father, we thank you that this is truly the day that you have made, that we will rejoice. We will be glad in everything, Father. I lift up every person here today, Father, under the sound of my voice. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that hearts would be open and receptive. I pray that minds would be transformed. I pray that people would encounter you through the word, through the worship, through everything that happens today, Lord, that we would be uh, soft and open to you and ready to receive all that you have for us, Father, and that we would all leave this place changed, transformed from the inside out, Father, and that your glory would fall and your glory would shine in each of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just by way of introduction, um, we live in a very image-conscious world, don't we? Whereby almost everything in our life, we have to appear to be organized. We have to appear to have it together. And that's largely driven by social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all those types of things where we project our perfect world. We project that everything is going well, that everything is strong, everything is healthy in our lives. And it's almost appearing like it's better that it looks like we've got it together versus actually having it together. And when we actually take time to analyze that, it's, it's crazy, it's not logical, right? And that our success is often defined by what, by what we present to the world instead of who we actually are and what we're actually called to do. And so today, I want us to explore what it is that God calls us to do each and every day because he is not interested in how many likes our Facebook post gets. He's interested in our heart. He's interested in what we're doing for him. He's not interested in us looking the part. He's in one line of work, as far as I can tell, the fruit-bearing business. And that is where we're gonna focus our efforts today. So if you have a Bible, feel free to turn to John 15, verses one through two. I'm reading throughout today from the NIV version. John 15, verses 1 and 2. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it may bear even more fruit. And so what we see here is two types of branches that are connected to this particular vine. And we know that Jesus is the vine. He is where we get life. He is where we get strength. He is where we get guidance. And if we look at the branch that's producing fruit, he prunes it. Now, that in the natural wouldn't seem very logical, but he does it for a reason, so that we may bear more fruit. So I want to start today by looking at the fruit-bearing branch. Perhaps you're here today and you're like, well, you know what, Scott? I'm bearing fruit for the Lord. I'm being fruitful. I'm being productive. I'm here at church. I go to a cell group. I lead a cell group. I'm doing loads of things for God. And maybe you're going through challenges, maybe you're going through struggles, and you're wondering, what is going on? 
maybe we're even doubting him here today. I have some good news. His deepest desire is that you bear yet more fruit. That is why he is pruning you. It is not to hurt you. It is to grow you. Amen? And often we need pruning to be done in our lives in order to bear more fruit and to continue being fruitful vines for the Lord. And so we have some promises to hold on to this afternoon, that as we continue to live obedient, faithful lives, we will bear fruit as we're in the Word every day, as we get to know Him more and more every day, and as we trust Him in every season of our life, because we know that He is in control. And take heart, He's pruning you to bear more fruit. How awesome is that? What a privilege and what an honor. And He loves you enough to do this. It wasn't that you weren't already bearing fruit, but consider it an opportunity to bear yet more fruit. And remember this, the pruning may hurt, challenges will arise, but in time, growth will come. Because the pruning is always done with tender loving care by the master gardener. And he knows exactly what to do to produce the best crop and the most growth. And for us today, often it's going to be trusting the process. You know, many of you guys know that I'm a twin. Twins are awesome. I'm the second one. And my mother, bless her, had to trust the process as she lugged around a couple of eight-pound babies. And my brother was quite happy to stay where he was. I wanted to get out into the world. I wanted to let the world know that I was there. And I'm sure if I had my way and I was in front of my brother, my mother wouldn't have been in labor as long as she was, but my brother was quite happy to just chill, and he would have gone on and on and on, but I was ready to roll. He came out sleeping, 34 years later, still the case. I came out shouting and screaming, 34 years later, probably still the case. But the point is that we have to trust the process. We can't accelerate stuff. We can't make things happen in our time, because the Bible says in the fullness of time, he makes all things perfect. And I want us to now consider the non-bearing, the non-fruit-bearing branch. I know that nobody here wants to be that branch, amen? Because we all want to produce fruit for the Lord, amen? Can I get a strong amen in the house for that? Amen. Often, you will find that the Lord places people and things in your life to help you grow. Let me give you an example. How many people here like swimming? Be honest with me. Genuinely, you genuinely enjoy swimming. Okay, so we cannot be friends, straight off the bat, okay? because um, I would drown in my own bath until I was about 25 if there wasn't a plug. I hated swimming, hated it. And about nine, eight or nine years ago now, I had a fantastic time in America, many of you will know. Went to America for about six months, got fat, really fat. But I dedicated one month to serving with YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission, and I wanted to be in a country and a place where I didn't speak the language, where I was outside of my comfort zone. So I ended up in the Dominican Republic, and I served for a month, we helped build an orphanage. We did amazing things. I went back a couple of years ago, well, last year, actually, uh, and to see them, and everyone's doing really well there. And I had one weekend off, mid-August. It's like 35 degrees, like 100% humidity. It's like I've got, the, I've got the weekend off, and I just wanted to chill. So we went to the beach. Now, I enjoy the sun, and I'm sitting there, and everyone else is in the water, and it's like clear blue. I mean, you can drink the water. It's that good. It's beautiful. And my friends came to me, and they're like, are you not going for a swim? And I'm like, hmm. It's like, how do you say you can't swim? You're 25 years old at this point. You can't swim. It's like quite embarrassing. Um, but eventually they realized. 
And uh, four or five of the guys just literally picked me up and started walking into the sea. And there's very little at this point you can do. Uh, and they threw me as far as they could. And I went in. And now I'm panicking. I'm, my head's I'm swirling, arms all over the place, trying to get myself organized. Just imagine what it would look like. Horrendous experience. Not pretty, I can assure you. Eventually, get on your back. Get on your back. Breathe. Breathe through the air, right? And I got on my back, and I'm like, it's OK. It's OK. I'm not dying. I'm not dying. I'm not dying. Now, I'm not going to win any medals in the Olympics for swimming, but I can now swim. I can swim. Praise God. Small example. But here's the thing. All progress in your life occurs outside of your comfort zone. Straight off the bat, I would probably not be able to swim today if it wasn't them, people who maybe I didn't like in that moment, taking me out of my comfort zone and saying, this is ridiculous, you should be able to swim. So all progress in your life will occur outside of your comfort zone. So if you want to grow, get outside your comfort zone. Get outside what, what you're comfortable in doing. But not only that, God also places people in our lives. People close to us, maybe people we don't like. I won't mention the person's name, but they will know exactly who they are because they're here in the service. <laughs> Amen. Um, many of you know, many of you know uh, my early years as a Christian. I, um, I think my name was in pencil in the Lamb's Book of Life. <laughs> Could be scrubbed out at a moment's notice. Um, and I didn't really live the Christian life I was still very rebellious, still very arrogant, still very self-centered, very selfish. And um, nobody had a position to tell me that I was wrong on something or correct me in certain areas of your life. Now, how many of us know tough love is tough? Amen? Amen? And there's one person, and like I said, they're here, so they know exactly who they are. I won't mention their name, but they gave me tough love. I mean, they just called it straight down the line. Those emails, those inboxes on Facebook, that just your blood pressure's rising. And you're like, what's going on? This person's like cutting straight to the point. Who are they to tell me I'm wrong on this? But they wanted me to grow. And I remember one message I got. It's almost like the Facebook statuses you guys see me post these days, you know, these long ones, right? It was like a long message on the inbox. And I'll never forget the last line. As someone who wants to see you succeed. As someone who wants to see you succeed. That's about eight, nine years ago now. But the whole totality of what he had written before then, oh, look, I said he. Whoops, that narrows the margin, doesn't it? <laughs> Got to get better at disguising stuff. <laughs> the whole totality of what he had written up to that point was all just washed away by that last line because I captured his heart. I captured his heart. And that's what I want you guys to do is, is to capture God's heart today. For God to complete what he needs to do in our lives, we must be able to receive and learn from anyone, even a donkey. I'm not, I'm not, describing, not describing that person as a donkey, but if the shoe fits, just saying. So what am I saying today? I'm saying the best and the most productive life that you can live is the one where Jesus is at the center and whereby you're producing fruit for him. So if we're not producing fruit today, it's largely down to one or two reasons. Either we're not connected to that vine, or we feel that we have somehow been cut off. And my deepest desire for us today is that we all get connected to that vine, that vine that brings us encouragement, life, fruit, favor. And if we feel disconnected, let's get reconnected. Because it's in Christ alone that we have our peace, 
we have our value, we have our direction. It's not found anywhere or anyone else. He saved you for a purpose and a destiny. And I want us to walk into the fullness of that destiny today. The Lord came to heal us. He came to restore us. But understand this. The more you are in fellowship and community with people, the more vulnerable you are. The more you will experience potential wounding from people. Because the more open and the more transparent you are, the higher the chances of you getting hurt. And that's a choice that every single one of us have to make today. I heard a phrase a number of years ago, I think it was in a book, I forget, and it said something like, being a leader and expecting the world to treat you fairly is like expecting a shark not to attack you because you are vegetarian. <laughs> think about it for a second. It's quite deep when you actually take some time. The alternative is something that I did in my early years as a Christian. I consciously decided to stay disconnected, stay alone in my faith. It was not fun, I can assure you. There was a phrase known in the office, at this point I was on the staff, I think it was Teflon Scott. It was like, nothing stuck. Didn't matter. You can accuse me of whatever you want. I didn't do it. I didn't say that. I'm not involved. I was unteachable. I was disconnected. Didn't want to know because I thought I knew better, right? And we often think in our own lives that we know better than anybody else. But living in fellowship guarantees that you will get hurt. So be prepared for that. But with spiritual and emotional maturity and growth, you will not internalize that pain, but you will allow the Lord to heal you, and that you will use that as a testimony of his goodness and grace in your life. And we do that by never allowing the external to affect the internal. Now, I know that that's often easier said than done, but it's what God calls us to. He's called every single person here today to lead others into healing. Yes, you. Take a minute. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, you are called to lead someone into healing today. Amen? It's not just the pastors. It's not just the leaders. We are all called. The only life worth living is the one that Jesus has for you. It is a life that always, always, always benefits others. If you are only in receiving and appreciating all that God has for you, all the blessings he's pouring into your life, all the favor, all the anointing, and you're just keeping that to yourself, you are fundamentally missing out. And who wants to miss out on God's favor and God's blessing? Let me see you put your hand up. Anybody? No. Who wants the fullness of all that God has for him? Amen. Amen. And we do that by being in fellowship with one another. Amen? Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. You know, I get to disciple quite a few people, and quite a few people, are, quite a few of them are here today. And I've been able to be a cell leader for a number of years now, and I think if I had a pound or a dollar, no, which is worth more now? A pound is worth more. If I had a pound for every single time somebody said to me, Scott, I just want to be happy. I'm back on that six-month trip to America. I'll tell Pastor Colin now, six months, I need to go. I'm on a holiday. And when someone says to me, Scott, I just want to be happy, it tells me two things. One, they're not currently happy. Two, they are looking for happiness. And I want you to tell you today that you will find your joy 
you will find your satisfaction, you will find your purpose and your value in loving and knowing the Lord and serving people. Nothing else will come close. Guarantee it. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. You will never go wrong by opening yourself up to the Lord and saying, here I am, use me. How can you use me today? And he will. I guarantee you this. If you really want the Lord to use you, he will. Amen? You will not sign away your life by serving God. Your very life belongs to him. Remember this. Whatever dreams you have that are holy and pure are simply his dreams that he's placed on the inside of you. So if you have a dream to get married, you have a dream to have a house, you have a dream to have a car, you have a dream to have children, you have a dream to, I don't know, be a millionaire or something, whatever those dreams are, if they're godly and that's part of God's plan for your life, it's simply his dream that he's placed on the inside of you. You were born for this life. You were born for this life. You were born to be fruitful. I believe here in KT that God is stretching us as a body of believers and he's fostering and drawing us closer together, service to one another. Whatever God is going to do through you, he must do it through a selfless life. Look at Jesus, the most selfless person to walk this earth. And what did he do? He met the needs of others. Simple as that. And that brings me to my next point, which you may consider controversial. We will know that you're offended if you get up and leave right now, because everyone will see it. So I'm going for it. Amen. Everyone's receptive today. God cannot bless selfishness. Selfishness is the fruit of disobedience to the Father's will in your life. And as humans, we all have a leaning towards it. Often we just make our lives about us, about what I can do to get my life better, to get my stuff in order, or maybe your family. And if you don't believe me about selfishness, trust me, see me with a packet of Jaffa cakes. <laughs> Straight off the bat. I remember years ago, Marco, bless him, gave me a packet of Jaffa Cakes. You know, we work directly across from each other. He said, oh, do you want a Jaffa Cake? I was like, sure. <laughs> I think I gave him one back, just, you know, out of token. And he kind of looked at me. He knows now. You hand it to me. One. We can all be selfish. We can make it our lives about us. But when we make our lives about others, God is glorified. To fulfill God's destiny for our lives, we must become selfless. Remember the verses we read in John 15. God is an excellent cultivator of fruit in our lives. He's the best at it. We must persist to go about the Father's business. We need to build up our spiritual muscles and foster faithful endurance for the race that he's calling us to run. And he's calling us to run it in a way that we win the prize, not merely take part, not merely get to the finish line. Our hearts must always be orientated around the things on his heart. And, you know, Christian was sharing, or Gabriel, sorry, was sharing about a marathon and doing marathons and stuff. And a couple, he asked during the 11 o'clock offering, had, had anyone done a marathon or a half marathon? And I put my hand up. I'd done a half marathon. And people were like laughing at me. They didn't believe it. It's like, no, I've actually done them. And I've done cross country running. I was very good at it at school. And I know all about building that endurance in the physical realm. And you get to a point, every runner will tell you this. Anyone that runs more than, say, you know, 800 meters, a couple times around a track, the body will get to a point where it says, no more. The mind will say, no more. I'm done. I'm finished. I never failed to finish a race because if God has called us to run this race, we've got to finish, right? We've got to finish strong. 
There's no point in us running 10 miles out of 12 and then quitting because if we quit, those 10 miles are now worth nothing. But if we find a way to even walk those two miles and finish, then we've achieved what God has called us to achieve. And so today, I want us to be bold. I want us to step out and I want us to step up in our service to the Lord. We must be joined to him. And as we do that, we go out to make him famous. And when you're truly living for the Lord, you don't worry about your name. You don't worry about people criticizing you, people unfriending you on Facebook because you posted about Jesus or Donald Trump being a Christian or whatever it is. Yeah? <laughs> Maybe I'm sharing some stuff. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but it's the reality. It's the reality in which we live in. As Bruce spoke so eloquently today, we live for an audience of one. We need to remember that. In Matthew 25 and verse 40, Jesus speaking, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. We show him our faithfulness in what we do for others. It's not what we do for ourselves, it's what we do for others. The most forgotten, the most ignored, the most needy and rejected members of society are the ones that Jesus calls us to reach. Imagine every person you encounter is Jesus in disguise. Like the, the harsh reality of that should maybe help us to think differently and behave differently. The person that serves you your coffee at Starbucks if you go there, that's Jesus in disguise. How are you treating them? The person that can offer you nothing, how are you treating them? That's what he's saying here. And if we look at scripture, Jesus treated people properly everywhere he went. He treated people properly. He went to places and he spoke to people that nobody else would go to. And so I want to encourage you today, there's nothing wrong with being successful in your life. Having a house, having the car, being married, having the kids, all that stuff. But you need to understand that your life does not stop there. There's so much more for you if we can just press in. The reason that Jesus wants you to have strong finances, physical health, or a good marriage is so that you can model those things to others. And you can use what God has given you to bless other people. And we read in Matthew 25, Jesus identifies four groups of people. The hungry, the homeless, the sick, and the prisoners. Everywhere we go, friends, we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Everywhere we go. But Jesus speaks about these groups, and I want to touch on them briefly. The hungry. You see it a lot on social media, people handing someone a donut or something outside in America and they post it on Instagram or whatever because they want the likes and the, the, the adulation, if that's the word, that comes with apparently doing a really good deed. But I want us to look at the, the homeless and, and the hungry. You know, I remember a few years ago, generally I try and take my guys out to feed the homeless on the last Friday of every month. We don't always make it, but most times we make it. And I remember a few years ago, I arrived early and it was cold, it was October or November time, about two or three years ago. And, you know, we meet at a McDonald's just because it's the easiest place to meet, not because we actually eat there, because it's not good for you, right? Um, <laughs> genuinely, unless it's cheat day. But I was standing outside that McDonald's and it's amazing to actually stand and look at someone for two or three minutes from a distance. And I stood and I looked at two people, a guy and a girl, sat outside the McDonald's with their um, bedding and their clothes and all their earthly possessions that I could see that they had. And I stood on the other side of the road outside Coots Bank and I just stood and watched. And you know what it was? It's like people 
with their cell phones. We're like walking like this. And like they're walking around them, walking, just ignoring them. And I started counting the people. And my math isn't good, so it was somewhere over 100 in a few minutes, just walked past them like they were nothing. I was a bit annoyed about it. So I thought, you know what? I'll take them in as kind of an excuse for me to have a McDonald's as well, right? So I took them in and I said, get your stuff, let's go and have some McDonald's. And we go in to have McDonald's and the security guard could see straight away what I was doing, threw us out. And we're like, they're not allowed in. So I'm like, but I'm allowed in, but they're not allowed in, even though I'm paying for their food. No, they smell, they're this, they're that, out. And so they were sent back outside and it broke my heart. And so I had to go and buy the food and like kind of hand it to them outside, like it was you know, throwing food down to a dog. And it just broke my heart because that's a snapshot of society today. We're so busy in our own world, or we don't want our world to be interrupted, that you know, we take the nonsense and we like pull our phone out to avoid contact, eye contact with someone because we don't want to actually go and make the difference. And yet we say we love Jesus. The sick. Take time to visit the sick in hospital. Go for it. It's an opportunity to shine the light and the love of Christ and encounter him for yourself. And prisoners, people in prison, usually the least and the last of society. They're the ones that Jesus wants to reach. Every single day of our lives, we have an opportunity to bring healing to someone, be it a phone call, be it an encouraging word, taking time to see someone for coffee. And you don't need a degree to do this. You don't need a platform. You don't need a title in front of your name. You just need to be who you are in Christ. What a wonderful privilege, what a wonderful opportunity that everywhere we go, every single day, we can bring healing to someone's life. All that's needed, friends, is a willing and obedient heart. As we are loving and compassionate, God will use you. And as I said before, if you truly ask the Lord to use you, He will. We read in, in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in trouble and everything that we receive from God. So we have an opportunity to bring hope to the hopeless, joy to the unloved, love to people who've never experienced it, and compassion to those who are rejected. And in doing that, you transform your life, you transform their life, you transform your community, and in turn, you will transform society. Look at the life of Billy Graham, and Bruce was touching on him earlier today in his sermon. Like one man that just said, you know what? I know who I am in God. I know what God has called me to do. I'm just going to go out and do it. I'm just going to go out and do it. As we become Jesus to society, we move from just simply being good Christians that come to church on a Sunday, go to our cell group, and we actually take our gifts and our abilities and transform society for his glory. You know why? Because Bible knowledge without Bible experience, pointless. If you've just got Bible knowledge, and believe me, I'm doing a degree at university, my brain is expanding. I'm learning words that I never knew existed. <laughs> I had an exam on Friday. I had to write a two-hour exam by hand. My arm was like falling off by the end of it. So, you know, I know all about it. But if you've just got Bible knowledge, it just stays as knowledge unless you put it into action. But the moment the Bible knowledge becomes Bible experience and we let that knowledge seep to our heart, it's going to force our hands to go do something. It's going to force our feet to go walk somewhere and see someone and connect to someone and build relationship with people. Because here's the thing. If you're in Christ, 
There simply has to be fruit, right? God didn't call us to be unfruitful. So if we're in Christ, there has to be fruit. If we look at what Jesus did with his disciples, the first thing he did, one of the first things he did, was he taught them how to pray. They actually asked him how to pray. So they needed teaching because those disciples realized that everything he was doing with all the miracles, it was connected to his prayer life. The second thing he did was train them. So let me tell you, if you're willing to be trained, you're in the best place to be trained. Brother Gabriel will be here at the end of the service. He is heads up the Bible school. If you want to be trained, come and see Gabriel. They will train you, no problem. So if we need training, let's go for it. The third thing he did was sent them out. He sent them out. He said, go do what I did. He said it to the 12. He said it to the 70. But he told them to stay connected. And so we must do the same. We must stay connected to the vine. I've learned one or two things in my 15 years of being a Christian. But I've learned this. If we have a constant lifestyle of daily communion with the Lord, eventually he is going to require you to do something. And we can't associate movement with progress. You know, most of you guys see me. I'm here pretty much every Sunday, unless there's an NFL game in and that I can escape to once every five years. <laughs> but I'm pretty much here every Sunday. And some people look at me and they're like, you're here every Sunday. I'm working, I'm serving, doing all the different things. And I could take my phone, which I don't have right now, and I could show you at the end of every Sunday, I've walked like 9,000 whatever number of steps. And you could think, well, where did you go? I didn't leave the building. So we can associate movement with progress. Don't. Progress is actually moving forwards. Movement is just walking around, not going anywhere, like I do on a Sunday when I'm here. <laughs> and I believe that there are champions of business, education, finance, health in this room where you can bring transformation to your world, to your society, because God has anointed each and every one of us. I mean, this is not particularly theologically sound, but it's quite obvious. Nobody follows a parked car. Would you agree? You've got to be going somewhere. You've got to be doing something for the Lord. Then people will follow you. Signs and wonders follow all those who believe. One thing for myself serving in church is that often I can have a, a bit of a limited time to evangelize and to witness for people. But for most of you guys in the congregation, you're out in society, penetrating every area of society, education, health, finance, everywhere. I want you to cultivate a mindset today that you are a divine appointment waiting to happen. Every single day, wherever you do life, wherever you're at work, on the bus, you ride the same bus, you get the same train every single day, you may even see the same people sitting in the same seat. That's a divine appointment. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says that you are Christ's ambassador. Like an ambassador that represents a country when they go on state visits, you represent Christ. So represent him well. You want people to be drawn to you. So be like Jesus. Be a perfect blend of grace and truth. Don't swing too much on the grace side and don't bring some truth into it. Don't swing all the way to the other side and make it all about truth and how bad their life is and what they're doing wrong. I found that if you 
start with the grace, you can then slip a bit of the truth in, and they will connect with you. So what type of life can the Lord bless? One who is doing the will of the Father, because the virtue it took to heal you stays with you. Just look at the woman who reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. So every day, we have an opportunity to bring closure, healing, restoration into someone's life. This is the Christian life, friends, and the time to do this is now. Amen? So we know as Christians that we love to pray, we love to see people healed, we love to see people delivered, but most importantly, we love to lead people to Jesus. Many of you know I love America, everything about it, the food, particularly the food, particularly the food, <laughs> I have to say that, confess your sins to your brother and you will be healed, amen. But I want to give you a bit of a snapshot, a bit of imagery about America. You know the American dream, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Do you know what that is? That's a distorted view of God's dream for your life. That's what it is. Jesus came to give you eternal life, complete and lasting liberty, and he assures you of unconditional joy because the last bit of that statement of the American dream I always find fascinating. It doesn't guarantee happiness. It says you're allowed to pursue it. <laughs> so it doesn't guarantee it. But in Christ, we have all the joy that we need. In his presence, there is a fullness of joy. And if we learn to place our trust where our trust has been earned, you will never finish second when you put God first in your life, in any area. Finances, your time, how you reach out, how you connect to people. Because what we live out is a reflection of what we actually believe, right? So many of you know I'm an Arsenal fan. We all have our cross to bear. <laughs> you will never see me wear a Spurs shirt, ever. Because I'm an Arsenal fan, and that's what I believe, and therefore that's what I will represent. So I'm asking you, who are you representing today? I want you to represent Christ, and I want you to represent him well. So I want to give an appeal now to people here today that maybe don't even know this Jesus that I'm referring to. You have no idea what I'm talking about. The Bible in a nutshell, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. So if I could ask us to bow our heads and close our eyes this afternoon. If that's you and you've never made a decision that I made 15 years ago today to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just like the title of my message, now is the time. The opportunity is here. And in a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Yeah, in front of all these people? Sure. Because Jesus died publicly on a cross. He didn't die in a dingy basement. And he came to set you free. He came to deliver you from all your hurts, all your pains. He came to forgive your sins. And whom the Son sets free is truly free indeed. So if you want to make a commitment to Christ this afternoon, I'm going to ask you now, if you could just kindly 
raise your hand. I will acknowledge it. And then you can put it down again. Someone will come and stand with you. So if that's you, just raise your hand here this afternoon. Amen. So everyone here is saved. Just while we're in this moment, I want us to, if we can, continue with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and I want to ask you a question for the rest of us, for all of us apparently now. I want you to imagine that you're at an airport. We've all traveled many times. And you go through security, and they always ask you, that question, did you pack the bags yourself? And we always say yes. And irrespective of who packed the bags, we're responsible for what's inside our bags. And that bag today is our heart. We're responsible for what's in our heart. So I want to ask you, what are you carrying this afternoon? Because you chose to pack it. And I believe for some of us here today that we need to start unpacking or repacking. And we need to let go of some hurts and some pains and some fear in our lives. We're all vulnerable. We've all experienced hurt. The word hurt, we often associate it with a place, a time, a person in our past. And that can become a crutch. And the abnormal can become normal in our lives. And I know that today, anything that's blocking the glory of God in our lives, we can be released from. Because as we empty ourselves of all the stuff that doesn't help us or doesn't satisfy us, we position ourselves to be filled by the love and the grace of God. And it's all done by his grace. And so we can have hope to cope with our difficulties. Because God is more concerned with your life than you are. And so we can cast our cares back to him and he can be our shield. But we must break open the atmosphere and allow the kingdom of God, heaven, to, to touch earth. No more striving, just more surrendering. And it's gonna cost us forgiveness, for example. It's gonna cost us. It's gonna cost us our pride. It's gonna cost us our need and our desire to be right. We have to leave those things at the foot of that bloodstained cross today. I've learned that the further you go with God, the less you can take with you. The less unforgiveness, the less hatred, the less envy, the less jealousy. And I know that today is Mother's Day, I'm acutely aware of that. And I believe that God will bring reconciliation in the house between mothers and particularly daughters, but mothers and sons. Something to consider here. Two areas where relationships between parents and children are most tried are trust and truth-telling. Children, regardless of their age, never tell the truth. And let's be honest for a minute, parents don't always believe them. A healthy relationship can be established where parents are willing to accept the truth, even if they don't want to hear it, and children are willing to tell the truth, even when it hurts them. So just in this atmosphere of praise and worship, as the team step forward, 
Malachi 4.6 says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. I want us to do business with the Lord right now. I believe that hard hearts are becoming soft and compassionate. He wants to spend time with us more than we all will ever want to spend time with him. Praise and worship acts like a magnifying glass. It causes you to focus on what you're focusing on to become bigger, to become magnified. As David said in Psalm 34, verses 3 and 4, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Many of us know the book of Acts, Paul and Silas in prison. It was their prayer and their worship that attracted the Spirit of God broke open the chains, set them free, and brought liberty where there was captivity.